0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Balkansis, the show that's going to help you navigate the massive challenges of life, motherhood, culture, identity and belonging with more ease, acceptance, joy and purpose. Thanks to each and every one of you that come back every time to listen, learn, heal and feel inspired. If you do love the podcast, then do me a huge favor and hit the subscribe button It really does help spread the word. Hello everybody and welcome back to another wonderful episode of Vulcan Sis. I am super excited and I say this every single time. I'm just going to title myself Mrs. Excited because I get absolutely excited about everything and that's just the way I've always been. So there's a reason to be excited today because it is actually the first episode that's airing of 2024. And I was really intentional this time with how I wanted to enter the new year and who I wanted to have on this year. So I'd love to present you guys the lovely Lepa from Burek on Wheels. She's a fellow Balkan Seas. She's from the diaspora. She's located in Sydney and she has the coolest, the most epic food van you will ever see and the coolest Instagram to go with it. And that's actually how I found her and and through a mutual connection. So welcome Lepa to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm awesome. I know we've chatted for like a whole half hour before we have, this. <laughs> an hour actually. Which I probably should have recorded too, to be honest, because no, we've had we some did. epic stuff happen already. We did. We, did. we had Baba calling me from 50 kilometers away. Oh, let's not give Your too much. Question. Let's not give too much away right at the beginning. <laughs> We're going to have a surprise guest at the end. So if you have checked out Leaper's Instagram, you will know who that is. Obviously, it's a family-owned business and everybody's involved, which I absolutely love. I love the ethics and the purpose and your why and everything behind the business. And we've had some of those conversations in WhatsApp before. Before we start, I hope it's okay with you. I want to dedicate this episode to your dad. I hope that's okay with you. And I get emotional with people that we miss and people that we love. But it's really important to mention him Tata because from our conversations he's the reason why all of this started as sad as it is that we lose the people that we love and that there's a time frame on that it's also wonderful that you've turned things around for yourself and that you've really it's just yeah the whole business itself from what I see is just so full of love love and just kindness and authenticity which is all the things that I'm about without going into it too much could you tell us a little bit about who you are, your origin story, and just tell us a little bit about, yeah, how your journey started and who's Little Lairpuff. I'm just your
1: normal, average Western Sydney girl. I just grew up in the Balkan household. Lots of food, obviously. Lots of family gatherings. Lots of traditions. Going to church, doing dancing, which was called... I grew up doing that. So, yeah, just having a big family around and a lot of food. And my mum always cooking traditional food. Goulash. Oh God, the list can go on. The pita was, is the, actually the favorite. Yeah. Know, the whole story. yeah. So you mm-hmm. always get requests for Baba to make her
0: pita. How um, awesome is that? Yeah. And yeah. where were your parents born originally?
1: So in Bosnia from, there's a place called Srebska Republica. So it's Mi Banja Yeah. So that's where they're from.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And how old were they when they migrated to Australia?
1: The age, I don't, might have to ask Baba that one, but they mm-hmm. came here in 1969.
0: Wow, yeah, wow, so, so that's 50 years. years, long time ago, hey. That's, yes. And the way, and I think it's really awesome the way that you guys have kept the traditions alive and within the household, like it's that whole thing of when you're new to Australia, it's like how do you assimilate in that new environment and how do you become like the Aussies because you have to speak the language and you have to go out and work and make money and send the kids to school, but at the same time, it's like how do you hang on to what makes you and all the things that you got brought up with. So do you have any favorite memories of you guys growing up? Do How many siblings did you have? Tell us more, oh, what was yes. life like in Sydney?
1: Oh yeah. I've got two older sisters and I'm the youngest. So I'm way younger. I'm about 14, 13, 14 years younger. So I'm the baby of the family. I did everything with my parents, hence why I'm so close to them both. But yeah, memories Do there's so many, like the trips we'd been on, the uncles that are really loud in the holiday resort. Just bringing out all our salami, stopping it on the way to Queensland to pull over and get a bench and get all your salami and you know, your cheeses out and stuff like that. Growing up like that, it was always fun. Visiting iconic places that aren't around anymore, like Leyland Brothers World. Or I remember going to Warragamba Dam, which is where, where I live quite close to right now.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. That's, cool. and you're, so you're the baby of the family. How was that? Yeah. Like you would have, were well, your sisters like, you get everything? Yeah, <laughs> I think so.
1: They're a lot older. So yeah, no, I, I think that's a big major part. Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> so we have a little brother that came. He was the fourth one and I was seven when he was born. And I just remember, man, you're so lucky because you get the best of mum and dad. They were more lenient because they took out all of their frustrations on us. that came before him. So we really broke the way forward for him so that he had less obstacles to jump over. I and I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And so how was, what was your schooling life like and what was your passions? And then as you started to get older, yeah, what was that sort of expectation? Was there an expectation from your parents like that they want, you, they want you to go to uni or be a doctor lawyer?
1: No, I was actually quite lucky. My parents were very supportive with anything that I really wanted to do or pursue. I always had part-time jobs. As soon as I could work, I worked. So I did your old McDonald's and voice cinemas and made a lot of friends through there. But they were quite supportive. So they gave me the choice to do what I wanted. So I chose to do the chef apprenticeship and I did that. And I actually got out of that quite quickly because it was a lot of night shift work. So Mm -hmm. a lot of chefs work at night. So till two or three in the morning. Being a girl and young, I think it was a bit late for me to be coming home. Just, I don't know. I just feel like I needed a day job. So I started to work during the day, but I did finish my apprenticeship and so did my two sisters. So I've got another sister who's a chef as well. And the other
0: sister did hairdressing, but no, our parents were quite supportive with whatever. Oh, we chose. I love that. I'm that's quite happy. That's amazing. And honestly, <laughs> food like how I think the thing with food is like it's so interesting because to some people, food is just fuel for their body, yeah. but to us, is like food is like symbolic. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like you eat even when you're not hungry. It's like <laughs> you, when you go to someone's house, like food is that center point, that focal yeah. piece the traditions and things like that. So yeah, is, is there any certain dishes that you guys used to make that were at the table that were, or even for your Easter's or your Christmases, what are some things that you like it's, to make?
1: I think it's standard in every Balkan house. You've got your super, that's first, and then you've got your sarma, and then you've got the pechania, which is your pork or lamb, whatever that you choose to make. Yeah, uh, It's a stock standard kind of cuisine. It doesn't change. And I think that's why I feel like there was wasn't that exciting because I grew up with it Mm -hmm. and we've all grown up with it so it's not nothing new to us but I found when I decided to open the food truck and do Balkan food I started realizing that people who have never ever tried it before or heard of it they were like memorized they were just like what is this I'm like and then the more I saw that it kind of drove me more to to keep doing it to be honest
0: yeah and how awesome that you managed to pair that together your passion for chefing and for food, and then as well, bringing in the culture and the heritage. How did that journey play out for you? Obviously you were between jobs and you did those real nice traditional jobs where it was like, that's the same thing we all did. As you finish school, you need to make money. You need to put fuel in your car and you work hard. And so it's just in our genes, really. What was that turning point for you to then step into the whole food truck business?
1: Oh, before the food truck, I actually ended up working uh, in a normal office job for years and cool. look, I didn't love it, but it was a job. And I did that for over 10 years and again, made really nice connections and friendships, but COVID is actually what happened that made me decide also to start the food truck. So my dad passed away in 2019, just before lockdowns, COVID and everything. And obviously that was quite traumatic for my family and for myself. And then got a good hit and locked down. So that was just like another thing that you have to deal with. And it was scary at the time because we didn't, I didn't know what was going on. But then what I noticed, put that aside, what I did notice was through lockdown, the essential workers could work. So obviously supermarkets, stuff like that, but then so could food truck. So I thought to myself, I didn't understand. I thought, okay, these guys can still work. They shut cafes down restaurants, my brother-in-law works on Captain Cool Cruises, they couldn't run. So I just realized food trucks would still be able to run. So that was where the idea was to come to buy a food truck. And I was just lucky enough. I found one. It's not too big, but it's not too small. It's just perfect. Yeah. not kind of meant to be honest. Yeah.
0: That's quite like a big step, a big leap in a, like in a familiar direction because you're familiar with food, but at the same time, like cooking food in a restaurant and making food at home is would be i'm assuming very different to making food in a truck and prepping yeah. and everything so yeah how was that transition for you from being in the office and having this like safe job where you're going like nine to five you're getting your pay every week and whatnot to like literally self-employment which you need to get customers it's <laughs> so oh, wow.
1: scary like, it was actually really scary there was i had really close friends that helped me and supported me and said, you can do this. And I thought to myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? So I, look, it was hard to start. You have to get a lot of certificates. I had to track down my own head chef to give me sign-off sign for approval. There's just these little hurdles that I had to take and do, but I jumped them. And yeah, I just kept pushing through because I knew it was something I really wanted to do. And I knew that it was good for my mental health as well. It gave me a bit of purpose, but yeah, you know, it was definitely scary. There were times where I was like, no, I'm not going to do this, but I'm so glad I did.
0: (laughs) Oh, honestly, it's when I look at your page, all I think is you've been doing this forever. That's how Mm -hmm. it feels. That's the impression I get when I'm watching your posts and your stories and your, and like your reels is, wow, this chick has been doing this forever. And to a degree you have been, because like people gathering food, all that, that's been your thing since growing up. So in a way, now I've
1: had um, jobs in hospitality. So I've always been a, I am a people person. I love meeting people. I love talking to people. It's a side of me that I obviously implement into my business. Yeah. But no, I do love it.
0: How awesome. And so what did your mum think about the move and your kids? Like what, when you said you wanted to? (laughs) Uh, I think the kids were quite younger at the time. They were probably, they didn't
1: really understand. But they did jump in and help me a lot, especially my daughter. And to be honest, I think I've given my daughter a bit of a vision as well for herself. So that's good. My mom was excited. I think she was all for it. She didn't really understand what I was trying to do at the time. But now she looks back and she's she always likes that's amazing. She's so that looks like so much fun. And she likes to come to all the events as well. So yeah. that's good. I love having her with me. I do take her to some catering jobs and all that pop-ups she comes to, so it's good.
0: Do you charge extra for that? Because I feel like Baba oh, should appear her <laughs> at these events. I feel like there should be an extra fee because she's somewhat become this little celebrity and we were going to save it till the last and leave people hanging, but yeah, it's no. just too cute not to mention straight yeah. away because she's not, she's part of your whole life story. She has become this foodie. <laughs> <laughs> become cool. this Burek on Wheels celebrity. And if you haven't been on Lampers page, you've got to jump on even just while you're listening now. And it's just amazing because it's, she has so much charisma. She's so charismatic and so cheeky, which Mm -hmm. I love and so authentic. Again, the word authenticity comes through, but can you take us back to that time when your dad passed? What was that time? What was some of the things you were thinking and feeling in terms of how am I going to do this? How am I going to come out of this? How, how did you deal with the grief? Because that's a big thing.
1: Yeah, look, looking back, it was probably something that hit us like a ton of bricks. We didn't expect it. So dad was quite fit and healthy through his life. He, he was a bus driver actually for many years. He drove for West Bus. It's a company that was used to be here in Sydney. But yeah, he just, he retired at the age of 70. I actually made him do that because I said, you've got to enjoy your life. There's more to life. So let you travel and stuff like that. So he did go to Canada with mom and he, he did do a few trips, which was good, but unfortunately he got diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and from diagnosis, he passed away six weeks later. So it was quite rough. It was, yeah, we were kind of still shocked. It was a bit of a, yeah, I don't know how to explain it cause it went so quick. Yeah, but it was traumatic and yeah, it's actually something I haven't really spoken about till now. Cause yeah. I developed a sleep anxiety from it. So I couldn't really sleep properly
0: after that. So
1: I struggled with that a bit, but yeah, Mm. it was definitely hard.
0: (laughs) And then it's very hard to go back to the old ways or like just going back into your usual office job or going back to see the same people at work. And then like you said, COVID as well, so much change and then being at home and having so much time to think and being so isolated and alone. And that, that on top of grief itself would have just been this like, layer so definitely i mean to be
1: honest it it was kind of when covid hit and the lockdowns happened and everyone just started closing it was something that took my mind off the grief but it was just another worry that added to i guess the pangariti that you're feeling and stuff so yeah it was hard but like i said grateful for the friends i have that really got me through that still support me till today and support my business and yeah i can't thank them thank them enough and obviously my family. My kids, my husband, my mum. Yeah.
0: So it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. And then when did you always have that entrepreneurial spirit, like where you thought you wanted to maybe do something like their no. own business or was that just stemming from the grief and COVID and then, oh, you're looking around and then you just saw a gap and you went for it. Did you have any prior sort of ideas before that where you thought, oh, I might want to start a business?
1: No. Oh, look, I've always wanted to do something on my own and have my own company, like business. I always wanted to do a gelato cart, to be honest. A friend of mine years ago, we were talking about doing a gelato cart for party, but we just never did it because same thing, you get busy, you have kids, life is, is hard enough so when you have a family and you've got to do everything at home for the children, for everyone. So it didn't happen, but I guess it was something that I've always wanted to do. So, when COVID hit, there was really no plans. I was just actually, it's a funny story. I was at a soccer game because my son was playing soccer at the time, and the coach happened to be a burek maker. So, I just met him that day. I've never seen him before. And I was like, Hi, I'm here for this soccer game. Are you the coach? He said, He looked a bit tired. And I said, You look tired. It's 9
0: a.m. Did you have a big one? He goes, No, because I've been making burek. So you met this soccer coach and he looked exhausted. Yeah. He thought he had a huge night, but yeah. Oh, had- I was like, this guy in the room and came
1: straight to soccer. <laughs> and how's this going to go? Anyway, I said it to him, I said, oh, you look really tired. Did you have a big night? He's no, actually I've been making woodex till about, I don't know what time he woke up and he was making, and I was like, oh, wow. That's so interesting. I, and I said it to him, I said, I actually want to open a woodex food truck. And he was like, oh yeah, whatever. And left. Anyway, the next day I called the coach and I was like, I want to open a Burek trailer.
0: <laughs> so yeah, wow. he gave
1: me, I think he was like, meeting him was a bit of a sign as well too. And I still speak to him today. He's actually behind the scenes with the Burek as well. I do communicate with him a lot and just, yeah, run ideas with back and forth. Yeah. So it's been an, a new friendship that's come out of Burek Congress.
0: Oh, that is super cool. And I got to say for everybody who's listening, who doesn't live in Australia, Sydney is probably, I would say even more than Melbourne. I don't know. Like I've only just been to Melbourne city, but Sydney just seems to be this hub. There's just so many Balkan people there because obviously when everybody immigrated or migrated, like a lot of settlers were coming to Sydney first. So that's where they had everything set up. And obviously, even when we came as refugees in 98, like I've got a lot of family in Sydney, my grandfather's brother and all of the kids there and grandkids, great grandkids. So it's this, I just want to paint a picture for people for where you live, because people think Sydney and they think Sydney Opera House and yes, the bridge, it's beautiful, it's iconic. And actually we thought when we came to Australia that it's the capital of Australia and then we realized it was Canberra and we're like. the was Canberra, and there's not been to Canberra. Like it's and then I went to Canberra and it was called Canberra. Their money states empty, it's flat. I'm like, why would this be the capital? Sydney makes perfect sense. But Sydney, the western suburbs in particular, are just such a breeding ground for amazing food. There is so many to put into perspective for people, you go to one Chevapchi inside where they make chivapi and stuff. And if that's close, you can just go to another one. Whereas where I live, it's more tourism-based. It's the Gold Coast, so it's very beachy, very coastal, a uh, beautiful city as well. But yeah, we don't have so much of that Balkan immersion and only a few Balkan restaurants are now starting to come through. But then again, obviously, everybody makes everything different. Also, you have to make a booking. They're not always open during the day. We don't really have anything like your business, Bodecon Wheels, where for events you can just go and get yourself some pita and get yourself some sarma. So that's, yeah, I just want to put that into context for people in case they were listening from other places, which I know they are. For them to understand just how rich Sydney, like Western suburbs are with food and also with our people and with our cuisine. So for you, when you started, so how, when you say pizza, like, cause see, this is a controversial part. Okay. Like people call just Burek and they think oh, okay. Burek's everything Burek. I'm like, no. no i say that. It's just with meat. I grew up in Bosna. If you told a Bosnian person of a Sanat or Burek Sassiro, like they would just laugh at you. The yeah. universal thing is yeah. ta, ta, and yeah. then it's like Zelyanica. we would say Zelyanica, you know, burek. everyone has different names. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's no wrong or right what way. We need pray that Yeltsha because mum makes that a lot with the
1: yay and the sida. Yeah. We did a real on yelsha, and it did, yeah, a lot of people enjoyed that. It's yeah. quite good. I
0: like it, yelsha. So yeah. how did you learn the recipe from your mama? Did you put cool. your own twist on it for the pizzas and stuff? Like how did you oh, start yeah. developing that?
1: Yeah, it's all from my mum. It's all from my mum. So, yeah, and and that makes it extra special. So I will then show my daughter, for instance, how to make it. And you're right, what you said before. People do. We all make it different. Yeah. And I've said this before in in one of my videos where your mum's pita, your mum's burek, whatever, is always going to be the best. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, but sometimes when there's people that don't have that luxury or don't have a mum or whatever. They'll, they'll come, they'll get the pita and they'll get the boret and they'll just love it. And, th- and that kills my heart when they send me a message. They're like, oh my God, thank you so much. I haven't had this for how many years? Um, wow, so. Quite nice. Yeah.
0: How beautiful. So how did you manage to take our cuisine and take the bas- basic recipes and basic food? And uh, Because then how, what, what was the Aussie reaction to it? Obviously you've got our people, like they know what you expect. They know yeah. what it is they know what satay they, is, they, they know how it would taste somewhat, but For obviously the people that have never tried it, did you have any challenges in terms of people, like getting people on board to try it or were most people interested already? Really? I think people were more intrigued. They wanted to try it. They wanted to see what
1: it was. They'd come up to the truck and they'd be like, what's a Burek? Like, what's this? And then you explain it. And once they try it they they love it. I sometimes wait and I'm like, I'm just going to watch your facial expression because you're going to like this. (laughs) So yeah. That's the awesome. perfect example is I have this young kid I sponsor, Cameron Crick, is an Australian racing car car driver. Just our local boy from Camden here. Anyway, he's never had Buddek before and now he just loves it. So I just he, he's gotta be careful him.
0: not to eat too much. He won't be able to his racing chair. <laughs> that's what I said. But if he does, he runs he runs every day for some reason. And I that's just cute. can't make any book. So awesome. So what was the summer? What were some of the challenges when you were starting out? What was, was it getting gigs? Was it getting booked? Was it trying to find the ratios of the food, like how much to prep, how much to, how do you know? Look, and that's a,
1: that was, that's a big thing. And I think a lot of places, restaurants,
0: food trucks, I'm not sure, but
1: that is a big thing with going out and not knowing. That's kind of pop up. I just don't know how many people will turn up. Actually, my first pop up was out in a place called Wilton, which is out Picton Way. And I think I sold, I don't know, I oversold 20 spinach and cheese buttocks because I just didn't know what was going on. I had all these people waiting for spinach and cheese buttocks that I didn't have. (laughs) It's just like, I need to get a system in order. And I think that's why I did start doing the Um, pre-orders. It's just a lot easier to manage and know how much food to bring because yeah, I don't pop up as often as I would like to due to catering. So I've been doing a lot of weddings, birthday parties. So it's quite hard to do a pop up. So I try to fit that in when I can. Mm. And I a pre-order system. So that was a challenge at the start because going into it, I didn't know. I just thought, and to be honest, I didn't think that many people would
0: turn up. Mm. So you were assuming, oh, it's not going to be, you know, that great. Like I'll just make a bit yeah, of this but, and a bit of that. And yeah, then it actually ended exactly. up being better than what you thought, which honestly, that that's a lesson I've learned this year just to share. When my son started school in relation to that story and that notion is, I was just assuming the worst. He's going to hate it. He's going to cry. He's going to want to run away. I'm going to be upset. But the first day was actually great and the first week was really great. So it just goes to show that us as humans, we always assume, oh, no one's going to show up. It's not going to be that much of a hit. It's not going to be that great. But imagine what would actually happen if we assumed the best and we actually yeah. went in with the mindset of, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be fun and I'm going to sell out. Hopefully. And your son ended up having a beautiful day, so. and you ended up selling yeah. everything out and not having it yeah. out.
1: You know, you know the saying; it's so true. Eighty uh, percent of what you worry about doesn't happen. It's so true. <laughs>
0: yeah, hundred percent. And then how? Yeah. And how did you start managing that then? Like, how did you know I need an extra person? I need this oh. much coffee. I need to like. Were you prepping the stuff at home? Are you purely prepping everything in the van? What will, to walk us through the processes of that.
1: No, it's a half-half thing. So I have a commercial kitchen at home where half of my ingredients and um, meals get prepped, and then the other part of it is cooked in the on-site. Um, how did I manage? I don't, look to be honest. It, it, I started small, so I gradually got busier over time. I didn't do catering at the beginning because I just didn't know how I would do that. I'll be honest. It's something I've learned over time. Um, but like I said, for for the at the start, I started the pre order system, which helped me so much because then I kind of knew what I would be facing mm. and what to bring. And then I always did bring extras. But now, when I do a pop up or if I go out to a suburb, I'm just capacity. I take that many orders. It's just physically can't take anymore. Yeah. yeah. But- I'm looking into other ways to try and expand that as well. Yeah. Something's coming, but yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time.
0: <laughs> oh, it sounds very exciting. I'm like, I'm slight. Cause now, and that's the thing. It's so many good problems to have because when you first start any venture, any business, any project, your whole thing is of like the, how am I going to do this? How am I going to execute this? How? And then you get to a stage in your business where it's actually, the question is different, which is like, how do I grow? How do I expand? How do I multiply more of me, which is a good problem to have because it means there's such a huge demand for what you do. And what I loved about your business and your page is that you modernized it because what I noticed with a lot of the restaurants or a lot of the people making burek or pizza, whatever you want to call it, it was still a bit like old school. There weren't that social online, but what I loved about what you do is you're so active online. And you make it fun and, and you're including your family and you're adding music. So it, it's actually enjoyable, even though I've never had the pleasure of tasting your food and which I will be in June. In June. Uh, it's just <laughs> really cool how you modernized it. I love the black and I love the pink. I love the colors. Yeah, huh? I just think it was really clever the way you put it all together. And it makes someone like me, <laughs> who's not in Sydney, really enjoy being a follower. And I love that. Cause sometimes you follow a page and you think, God, why am I even following? This page is boring. You just hit the unfollow button. So yeah, how much was that social media, like how was, because most people don't want to put themselves out there. I've got to say when yeah. I work with people, whether it be life coaching, business coaching, most people don't want to put themselves out there. It's too scary and they want you to do it for them. So yeah, what was that like for you? Because obviously now you've got this business, you don't have the safety net of a nine to five full-time job and now you've got to generate all your own income, all your own booking. So yeah, what was your whole thing of going on social media? How did you feel about that? To so be honest, scared. I didn't want to show,
1: like, never would I thought I'd be sitting here on a camera talking to you. I hated the camera. I hated photos. Even at the beginning, my social media girl would be like, oh my God, we'll just put you in for a little bit. But yeah, no, I hated being on camera, but I've really embraced it now. And I think to myself, it is what it is. (laughs) I am who I am. And I want to showcase what my likes and what my life is like and what my interests are. And I think with social media, uh, my page, yes, of course, I sell food. I have a food truck, but I want to kind of connect the whole Balkan theme, like music, uh, funny things that we might do. My mum, for instance, uh, just yeah, bringing everything together on the one page. And I do like it because it does, and to connect with, and you never know who you resonate with that way. But truthfully, there's no plan. It's literally what I wake up and think of that day, and I post.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Because I think most people say like, you need a plan and you need, and look, depending on who you are and what you do, it, it's sometimes good to have a bit of a structure or a plan because everybody works differently. I'm yeah. very much like you. I wake up with them, It's intuitive. It's a feeling. It's a vibe, whatever you want exactly. to call it. You know, so
1: it. On it. It is a feeling. I like this. if I connect to something and I love it, I share it. Um, yeah.
0: And you can really feel that on the page. You can really feel it. And people say, oh, how often should I post Ivana? Oh, I need to be on social media all the time. I'm like, no, just get on when you feel called to get on, but make it epic. Make it really worth your while and worth your time and then just multiply that. But if you're just coming on for the sake of coming on, people feel that it's not authentic. Like you're just coming on because you feel like you have to and then it's a chore. And then there's going to be no traction because I always have people reaching out to me. Oh, no one's watching my stories or no one's commenting. And you have a look at what they have posted. you're like, oh, it's not really, it's not hitting the mark. It's not feeling like it's from the heart. So Mm. that's a really hard thing sometimes to explain to somebody, but you've got it unpurposely, unplanned. It's already in you. So it just goes to show.
1: I think, don't get me wrong, there's days I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to post anything now for a while. And then I see or feel something and I'm like, oh my God, I need to share this. So yeah, it's definitely not planned at all. And but how do you think else. I post way too much and I feel bad? People be like, oh my God, I follow you. I'm like, oh, Ria, I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think, no, there's no such thing as posting too much. If what you're <laughs> posting about is relevant to who you are and what you do and it's resonating with you, it, there's no such thing as too much or too little. It's just the actual content that's presented. If you're posting too much of the same thing, then yeah, people would be like, this is boring, but you're actually keeping things really fresh and interesting, which I love. But tell, yeah, I love also your response. I was just saying this to you before, when we got chatting, before we started recording, because it's, your whole thing is encompassing the whole Balkan and Diaspora and our culture and our heritage as a whole. And you, when you put on there like Dalmatinka or Bosanka, so a Serbian woman, like whatever it might be then you had the definition underneath and some words they would say. And I noticed some of the comments you get and I felt really sorry for you because I thought to myself, man, people can be dickheads. Excuse my language. It's okay. I love you them. I it. I actually pinned them. Yeah, and I love it. I love that. And I noticed. And then your response—it was like, "Oh, Dalmatinka doesn't say that." And you wrote back, basically saying, "Learning every day." And I really love that response from you because a lot of people get defensive and they feel like, "Oh, they've been—they just have to be defensive. It's my page. Get off." But your response was more with curiosity and more of just an observation. Hey, I'm learning every day. So yep. what has been the general sort of context to that? When you get comments like that, what's your first impression? To be honest,
1: I'm fine with them. They want to express their, everyone's entitled to say and do what they like. At the end of the day, if they're following me or not, it really doesn't bother me. As long as I'm posting things that I'm happy and makes me happy and I love that's all that I really care about. Whether or not they take, how they obviously interpret it. But yeah, comments like that, I usually do pin them because, you know, I just, I want to turn them as well. I want to soften them up and just like, look, we're yeah. all human, we're all human, yeah. we're all trying our best, but you know, they're fine. They, they, they don't bother me to be honest, I actually
0: yeah. embrace them. And when you have such a large following as well, and a large traction, like one of your videos just hit a million views. Oh, that was yeah. with the massive And I point. thought, oh, my, my <laughs> of Monica, that guy was just epic and just so much fun. And the lady <laughs> and the comments are so funny because. The lady shouted to him in his ear, and then the comments on, and then Judi Dani started playing the harmonica yeah. and the people underneath, oh, Alen was and I just thought it was hilarious because I just thought how technical of some of our people to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, it's okay. Like I said, everyone, and let's be honest, everyone's day is different. Everyone's going through different things and the expression's different. So I understand all that. It's okay. Tomorrow they'll be they'll feel better. Yeah, <laughs> and that's with that, yeah with yeah. that video. It was just the timing. It was the timing, and I laughed because obviously I don't understand Macedonian very well. I have a lot of Macedonian friends, and the reason I was there with my Macedonian friends. So I, when she said that, and I watched that video, I laughed because it was like that's how I felt too. Like I didn't understand, but when that song came on. It's a song that brings the world together. It's sung in so many different countries and languages. So it worked out really well.
0: And how do you feel about the catering now? Are you loving it? Is that, is that sort of what the direction the business is going in? Because the catering is obviously you guys have so many weddings. Like I said, on the Gold Coast, we really haven't had that many weddings because majority of our family, like some of them are in Sydney and then the rest is all overseas. And all of us are already well into our 30s. So we've all been married and had kids. So there's just no more weddings. So when when we went to Sydney last year for my cousin's wedding and there was 500 people there. And I got to say, it was a beautiful wedding. It was in the Curzon Hall, like beautiful castle, all lovely. But the next day was even better because it was at a community center. And they had this man, this Serbian man, wonderful, cook all this, did all the catering. And I just remember thinking, God, I wish you would have come to the Gold Coast and just cater for me when I do an event or a birthday or a function because we do everything ourselves and it's so much hard work. And you really get to enjoy what you've created because you're just the cleaning and the prep and everything. But they had like chicken schnitzel, kobasitza, salata, like just everything, chevapi. Like, and because it was all like the smaller group gathered the next day, it was even more fun. Mm. So I just love, yeah, that you're doing the catering as well alongside. You're just so busy. So how do you, look, I hate asking women this question because we wouldn't be asking guys this question. Of, how do you balance <laughs> everything? I hate asking mums this question, but unfortunately it's our reality. So how do yeah. you balance everything? Like how home life, work life, like the business. And obviously you never switch off because then you're also on your phone and you're putting things together. So how, yeah, how do you time manage everything? Um, again, it's just every
1: day is a new day. And you try and plan it out. I'm not the the most organized person, I'll be honest. So I do try and catch up on things. Sometimes I let things go. I'm only human at home and my husband or my kids or my mum pick it up for me. But there'll be days where I smash it and I'll get everything done and you're still, you still a million bucks because you've done this, you've yeah. done that. But then there's days where you just don't get to it and that's okay. <laughs> so I just do my best. I try and plan what I have to do. Especially if I have a big catering job up coming up. So as for example, this weekend, I've got two weddings in the same day. I never thought in a million years, I'd be doing two weddings in one day, but I've got to do a lot of planning for that. So that's my main focus. And then everything kind of works around that and i make sure everything's done. I just give, i allow myself three or four days, I guess, to try and get everything ready. But yeah. There's not a really, um, I don't really have an answer for that because mm. I think we all do di- things differently and obviously I just, yeah, I'll just try and get what I can done. <laughs> In Being
0: the time that you like
1: have. Yeah, exactly. And the day's never long enough because you've got to make dinner, you've got to get my daughter to soccer and stuff like that. So yeah, I do have help. My mum helps me a lot. She lives with me. So I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful.
0: Oh God, that's my dream. I told my mum <laughs> to live with me. My mum is mad. <laughs> <laughs> she said to me, huh, nah, 40 years, she's been mothering, oh, like she's 65. She's been mothering for such a long time, but yeah, my brother's 42. So for her, she's, I'm enjoying my peace and quiet. She's got her flowers. Like she's just, yeah, loves the outside. And my goal is just to get them here. <laughs> so that look, she can just cook for me every day. <laughs> uh, don't get me
1: wrong. It, it, look, we love it. We've done it for many years now. We have our days too, but yeah, we help each other. And I think at the end of the day, we laugh it off. We laugh everything off. That's the beauty about
0: my (laughs) mum. Yeah. And that's, and you have to, they say, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And it's true. And I don't mind crying either. Like I've had some good crying sessions. It's so good just to cry. But at the same time, at some stage, you just have to laugh. You just have to be like God, just something will prevail, right? Like just things will get go. better. Yeah. So then how did you fix your sleep anxiety? Because now you're your own boss. So I don't understand
1: sleep. Yeah, that took actually, uh, to be honest, I, I saw an, a great naturopath who got inside the mind and talked to him because it's all about uh, mindset, I think. And it's how you think. I was doing all those things where you're like, don't drink coffee, don't eat chocolate, don't exercise too late in the day. And I found that was all rubbish. It's actually all just... I don't know how to explain it, but when I was doing that, I actually made it worse. So following a routine is when you let everything go and let it be and just tell yourself, it's fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, I remember saying to the naturopath one day, I said, oh, I wake up at 4am. Like that was something I hated because I wanted to sleep longer. And he said, do you know how many people in the world wake up at 4am and wake up and they're so happy because they'll get more done? And I'm like, you know what? That's a great way to look at it. It's just mm-hmm. changing your mindset.
0: Yeah. And it's your perspective on things as well, right? And at at the end of the day, you can change your perspective if you want to, but sometimes it can take years because it can be linked to, like you said, your sleeping anxiety stemmed from your dad passing away. Sometimes it can take that long to overcome and and, and heal and accept, like you said, accept and let go that it is what it is. If I'm getting up at four, then I may as well make the most of it.
1: Yeah, correct. It's the control, I guess. You want things to a certain way and I want that perfect sleep, but yeah, anyway, it's a small little thing in my life that I've dealt with and it's getting better and easier. I just, yeah, I'm aware of the triggers, so I try and keep that in check, but yeah, no, the naturopath that actually ended up being more of a talker, so he just talked me through a lot.
0: Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know what? It can be powerful to step outside your circle, your tribe, your husband and your mom and your siblings, and it can be nice to talk to somebody else who is not part of that circle and who has that like higher bird's eye view. And when you tell them everything, they're able to come from like this non-judgmental place and they really want to help you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a big thing. So how do you find where you're at now do, is there any future goals and plans? What are some things that are, because of, of course, you're doing everything by feel and intuition, but also at the same time, you're a person who does things with intention and love and heart. And I can sense that on your page. So what is the, the next goal, the next plan? Because you have people reaching out to you in Canada. So bring oh, yeah. what I call wheels. And
1: I'm just going yeah. myself. I do. I, <laughs> I find support. that hilarious, but I love it. I've got London Bay Mexico, Chicago, Chicago is a big one. Canada, have a lot of Balkan people, but the support's been amazing and it's a great drive for me as well. And I love that people love the food, the content, what I'm sharing. So yeah, yeah it's been good. That's <laughs> is amazing. there a goal? I don't really have, I don't have a goal. I just want to continue doing this cause it makes me happy. Yeah. Collaborating with other Balkan restaurants, cafes, people. I love the unity there. Whether it be Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian, Hungarian, it doesn't, yeah, I just promoting the unity so much more.
0: Oh, I, lo- I love that. And that's what I love about your page because you are really including, like you were saying before, your mama's burek or your mama's pizza, your mama's whatever is always going to be the best one. And yeah. it is true because when I've made palacinque can, when I made goulash or anything like that, it just doesn't taste that good. And my husband will say, oh, the goulash is nice and he's eating two plates. I'm eating it. It's not the same as mama's and yeah, even like yeah. sarma when we're we'll making sarma, mine are like falling apart in the pot and mum's are perfect and tight and <laughs> cute and cute and my sarma is just limana. so that it's just
1: to me. Don't worry. That still happens to me. I'll be making something and I'll be like, oh my God, I need my mom to pick this or taste it or check it because yeah, it's still not like hers.
0: It's true. It's yeah. true. She'll say to me, I'll say, oh, do we need more salt? She's, i oh, try it. And I try it and, oh, I don't know, should we, yeah, she's uh, tasting the meat or whatever. <laughs> and then I ask, well, we tried to take the recipe so I could write it down for like the grandkids one day, if they want to learn, I'm creating a bit of a legacy folder for the kids and the grandkids. So one day when we're all gone and we're all past, they have something that you they can, that's tangible, something that's it. written down. Because if you just say, oh, a bit of salt, a bit of paprika, a bit of garlic, how much though? It, it's It's very hard. Nice. There's no ingredients. No Nothing. Bag- and I'll say, how many teaspoons? How many tablespoons? And you're like, okay. And that
1: you've actually touched on that as well. So a lot of the videos, when I started doing the recipe videos, were just memory banks, just something digital to have to look back at. And sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, how many did I put in? And I'll look back at a video or my daughter or my son. It's just a memory bank, I guess. It's a digital way for them to see the recipe and it's always going to be there. Yeah. That's the reason really behind the recipes online. But again, I've had people reach out, they make the dish and they send me a photo and it just
0: is so nice. That is so awesome. So you're actually even encouraging through your page for people to motivate them to cook at home and make it themselves. Because it is that thing if your mum passes or your dad passes or your grandmother and they used to make that special dish and now all of a sudden they're gone and you oh man how am I going to make that thing and exactly. for years I've been saying since my baba passed she used to make Lukovacha, which is like these layers of bread this like sweet crumbed bread I don't know how she used to make it It was full of garlic and onion and sour cream and it was just so beautiful and warm and then she used to do the kaimak on top and oh okay. it was just so lovely and yeah I haven't attempted even to make it and I think to myself what's stopping me and my mum always says I can make it for you whenever you want but I think, yeah, I've, I've really got to start to get my ass into gear and actually start making some of these things while my mum is around so that she can yeah. you said, fix Definitely. it, alter it or change it because once they're passed, you think that's it. All those secrets go along, go with them. That's
1: so true. Actually, it, it's amazing that you brought that up because exactly, I've grown up with all this. all of us, we all grow up with this food. Mm. I never really showed much interest to learn everything. I, I mean, I knew how to make it, but. It wasn't exactly like mom. So Mm. after dad passed, I realized that this life is short and we can all go at any time. So I said to myself, that's it. I need to learn as much as I can from my mom and God bless, she's healthy, touch wood. But yeah, so she's still showing me all the recipes and then I just record them and have them kind of on a digital online platform Mm. that that people will access
0: so so you're really showing people as well and sharing the love and the unity but at the same time you're banking that for yourself as a form of a legacy too and for your kids too because really social media is always going to be around and if anything we are in the digital era look at us now we're talking online and we're not even in the same city it's wonderful so the connections we're able to forge online are actually really magical. So I'm glad that you're able to do that for your family, honestly. And I think with the amount of cabbage your mum eats and, like, when I saw the kupas and just her voice and her accent, it's just so awesome. And when I saw her, with the like, oh, there's a lot of kupas here, mate, with her little odd <laughs> accent. Honestly, her one-liners are legendary. Like- <laughs> and I just yeah. thought, you know what? Kupus is the best. It stinks. And I remember when we used to pickle it and my husband would open the thing. Oh, oh he wants to puke. It's disgusting. But And I always used to give the kupus to my sister because I never liked the kupus. And I used to take the mayo sauce. She would give me the mayo sauce. So we would eat it's, it. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now I love the kupus. Now when when we're making the sarva. I get the kupus in my mouth. I'm in. Same. So, it's so too funny too. when you get older. You appreciate you like that it. what you were saying when you're younger. No, I do you value.
1: The thing is, when, when we're young, uh, look, I'll speak for myself. You just think, oh yeah, we'll always have Sarma. Mum and dad will always be here.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's not the case. So yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a wake up call to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate everything way more than I ever did.
0: Mm. Oh, that's such an important takeaway from all of this. It's that luxury where you think, oh yeah. Even when my dad does the grill and he does the barbecue and the chabapé, he does it in such a specific way. Nobody else can touch the grill. Okay. It's an offence if you try and grab the tongs and he's there. It's an offence. So he's got his cigarette. It's like half smoked. He's got the tongs. He's got his, I gave him this apron. It says Italian not bet I didn't realise what it said. <laughs> I That's set funny. him up <laughs> and, and he's got, he's there and he's got his little cigarette. He's got his coffee carrying his flask to my house. And I'm Tata. I have said, so no, I have the coffee here. I have the things here. I have the goods. But he brings it anyway in a flask and he's like pouring it in for everyone. It's just sweet. Yeah, the way they show up and the way they help and the way they love. But like you said, it's important not to take it for granted. And it's really important to take those photos, be in those photos. And like what you said, to step up and to be in the videos, to cook the dishes, to make an effort, to ask questions, really to step forward. Because it's so easy, like you said, just to be in the back. Oh yeah, it's all good. It's always going to be here. And then one day it isn't. So I love that message. Is there anything, as we're coming to the end of our conversation, is there anything that you would love to tell your younger self?
1: Oh, just stop being scared of everything. Enjoy your life. And, yeah, I think that's the biggest one, our fear. It holds us back so much. And that's one thing I guess I've learned in the last few years, like just embrace everything, stop being scared.
0: <laughs> yeah. and And honestly, I think it's so easy to stay scared because... Then when you're small, you're comfortable because, oh, nobody expects anything from me. I'll just stay small. I'll just stay here. When you actually step forward, it's this responsibility. It's this big calling and it's scary, but you're living proof that it's doable and you can actually enjoy your life so much more being that way than sitting in a corner and hiding away. And
1: you have so much more fun doing it. I mean, if you step out of your comfort zone, you actually meet the right people. You meet people that want to do exactly what you want to do. And yeah, it's just the, it's a, it's a win. percent
0: <laughs> And what would your advice be to any of the lovely ladies? And there's some men listening, like a small percentage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what would your advice be to some of the women? They're all different ages and they all have Balkan connections or heritage. They live all around the world. And what would you say to them if they want to start their own business, if they're already... Are in their own business, what would be some parting words that you have for them or some advice or feedback?
1: Or just do what you want. Whatever makes you happy, if it's something that you want to pursue, give it a go. I mean, the worst, what's the worst thing that can happen? It might not work, it might work. You just don't know. I think if you don't try, you will never know. That was one thing that I. Told myself when I started I I was ready for I don't know I don't like to say failure because I don't believe in failure everything's a learning curve and experience but yeah just give it a shot what's what's the worst that can happen
0: yeah 100% and and sometimes it takes one big life event or a few small significant life events to push us in a certain direction because we're all waiting for this sign we're waiting for something to happen (laughs) you know we're waiting for like a shove or a push from the universe Uh, And sometimes it does happen like that. We get shoved in that direction, whether we like it or not, then we have to respond. But at the same time, we don't always have to wait for these traumatic and scary things to happen. Maybe sometimes you can, you don't have to ask for permission. And I say this to women all the time. You don't have to ask for permission. If I want to do something, I tell my husband, I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing. I need your support with it. Support me, whatever it might be. And also not everything has to mean something like what you said with the whole planning element. I wanted to do a stand-up comedy course and I thought to myself, oh God, do I really want to waste my time and money on that? What's the point? Like maybe the whole point is that I just go and have some fucking fun with it. Exactly. Maybe just the whole point is there is, yeah, you learn something like you never stop learning. How can we tell our kids? We we encourage them and we support them to learn so many new skills and go for all these things. But with ourselves, yeah, like when we become mums, we hold ourselves back a little bit. Um, well, because the, of yeah, all the responsibilities. The
1: kids, exactly. Your kids take up a lot of your time. Yeah. I, I guess unfortunate where my kids are a bit older, mm-hmm. so it does give me that little bit more time to concentrate on work. But yeah, while, while they're young, it's quite hard. It is challenging and it's hard. So I understand that as well.
0: Yeah. So where do you see Leipup? Where do you see Leipup? By the way, I love your name. Thanks. And it's just <laughs> so awesome. It's so awesome. Most of us have basic pictures names like Ivana. Oh my okay. Yeah. Every single person in the Balkans is called Ivana, Ivanka, Ivica, Ivan, And in Australia, everybody, oh, wow. That's so cool. That's such a cool name. It's so original. could go overseas. Someone calls out Ivana, everyone turns around. That's true. But your name is so beautiful. <laughs> Thank um, you. And I'm just so stoked that, yeah, you came on and that you shared your journey and your story and your ups and your downs and your hardship. And Just all the things. And obviously I would love to even go deeper and talk even more, but at the same time there's time restrictions and plus people will be listening for two or three hours, which I'm not sure if they would have that time when they're busy mums or busy women. So where is Future Leper? Where do you envision Future lepa? Even without a plan, just when you close your eyes, what is, how do you envision yourself in the next few years to come? Just still doing
1: what I'm doing with my truck, gathering friends and customers that actually become friends as well and just having fun with it. And and a lot of music. I
0: love our music. <laughs> oh, the music. I was just listening to yeah. music before I came on the call with you. And yeah. as soon as I heard the harmonica, something just happened to me internally. I had zero control. I just threw my hands yeah. up. <laughs> I literally threw you, I my like hands it. up. And I love that yeah, you share that. Positivity online and not, I don't like fake positivity. And I want to repeat to people that it's not all about just always being good and being well and being positive. No, I'm saying it's okay to cry. It's okay to have shit days. It's okay to go through the motions of life. But at the same time, it's really important to dance and share and connect and be in community because that's so important when you come to a new country. And I know that's the whole ethics behind this podcast is that I wanted to create my own community. Of like-minded people different people not always just like-minded just different opinions is cool too and that's what I love with what you're doing because for you it's this whole thing with food and connection and heritage and legacy and laughter and fun and music I just think it's awesome so yeah kudos to you for what you're building what you've built how far you've come already from where you started and I just think just keep doing it just Thank keep going you. and don't <laughs> stop sharing and I love that your family's involved in all of it as well and your message to others. So, the biggest takeaways, yeah, don't be scared. Just what Mike says, just do it. Exactly. <laughs> it's the biggest brand in the world. So, just do it. Who cares what anyone thinks? It's so cliche, <laughs> but it's so true. And we can get carried away yeah. in our culture with our Camille. What will my neighbor think? It's that whole touch and edge, what will the others think? It's that, it's
1: that Balkan mentality to what will start your way right, your honor Ah, miss it. Uh, who cares? Mm. Yeah. Who cares? As long as you're not hurting, like I always say this, as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're having fun, the, there shouldn't be a reason <laughs> that we don't do it. We just make, make yourself happy. 100%. And the right people will always support you.
0: 100%. <laughs> and that's so true. I think it's so much more important to look at what we have versus what we don't have. And we're already so blessed. So, yeah, it's been an honour to talk to you today and thank oh, you thank for you. coming thank on. You. And can't okay. wait to chat to the real superstar, boy Pumper Bills. Because there's been a whole outfit adjustment. I feel so privileged that Bubba is taking this to a whole other level. She's really levelling up, Which because I thought it would just be a casual chat. And she would just pop on and say hi. and But she's gotten ready for this whole operation, which I love. So let's jump off now and we'll do some funny little questions and we'll say hi to Baba. Should we do it in our language or should we do it in English? What's what's easier for Baba? No. Yeah. Okay. Let's get off the call and and then we'll have a chat with her when she pops on. You stay on board, Leopar, and to all of our lovely listeners who are all over the world. I was just saying to Leopar. We've got people listening in Dubai, in Egypt, in Germany, in Netherlands, in Australia, in America, in England, absolutely everywhere. And it's just been, yeah, so incredible to see where we all are and what we're all doing. So yeah. Let us know. if Listen to the podcast. Give us a rating. Go on us page. Lepa. where can everybody find you, by the way? Can you give off some of your handles?
1: Instagram is the biggest one. So yeah, I guess Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. But yeah, Instagram would be the most popular one.
0: Awesome. And what's the best way if people are local to you and they're in Sydney and they're listening to this, what is the best way for them to book you and to collaborate with you?
1: Through, on Instagram in my bio, I've got my work mobile number.
0: They can contact me on there or just send me like a direct message. I'll get back to them straight away. Awesome. And for anybody who's listening, who's a creator, a collaborator of any sort and you're international and you want to chat to Leopold, Reach out to her. She's been such a delight. And yeah, can't wait to see the response from our episode together. And hopefully there's been some golden nuggets and some little takeaways that maybe you can apply into your own life. Because we all we all get into a bit of a rut and it's nice when you get to listen to somebody else who's overcome some real hard stuff. So thank you so much, Lepa, and thanks to all the lovely listeners, and we'll see you on the next episode. You're welcome. Thanks, Ivanar. So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and as ever if you did please consider sharing it with your loved ones and leaving me a review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really does make a difference to the number of Balkan sisters that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom that my guests and I share. Thanks for being here.